Hey everyone, Pastor Brenda here, and welcome to Sunday House Church Online. We are glad to be with you today, and I'm gonna pick up right where Andrew has left off in the last couple of weeks. In the book of Ephesians, we have been talking about spiritual maturity and what that actually means for our lives every single day. And I wanna dive a little bit deeper into this topic, and I'm gonna come back after Easter and have a couple of more weeks where we get into some really practical application kind of stuff and how we actually walk out our journey of sanctification, of bringing everything in our life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and being reformed in his kingdom. We're gonna talk about some really practical stuff about that after Easter, but today, I just kind of want to start by unpacking what it means and what Paul is talking about in Ephesians about walking in spiritual maturity. And in Ephesians 4.13, he said, we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And I was just thinking about this a little bit this week that it's actually a really beautiful thing that God has given us a standard for our lives in the person of Jesus Christ that we don't set our own standard for what is good and what is right and what is just and what is true and what is loving. We don't set our own standard for those things. There's actually a standard, a measure that was set in the person of Jesus Christ. And he's calling us into a life where we are being transformed from the inside out so that we look more like Christ and reflect his light into the world around us. Now, the next chunk of scripture from about the middle of Ephesians 4 to about the middle of Ephesians 5 is often titled in our Bibles, the children of light, that we are called to be those who reflect the light of the kingdom of God in a world that is overcome with darkness. We are called to be different in this world. We are called out of the darkness, rescued out of the darkness, and placed in the kingdom of God where there is light. And everything in our lives must come under the light of Christ, be exposed to that light so that it can be healed and transformed. And today, we are going to talk about the biggest barrier to actually starting the process of spiritual transformation and formation in our life which is shame and repentance and our misunderstanding of what those things actually mean. Because everything about our journey began with repentance. It began with coming to an understanding that we can't do this on, on our own, that we will never be able to measure up to the standard of Christ on our own, that there is something that is broken and that it takes an active partnership with God in our lives to actually walk out and carry out this transformation process that he has called us to. But sometimes we get stuck and we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. I feel like the problem in the church is that we haven't had a lot of sound teaching around this topic. And we have actually told people that there's freedom, that there's healing, that they can have victory over sin in their lives. We talk about this and we have this, this, these words, this language, but we're actually not living the life that measures up to that. We're not applying it to our own lives. And I believe that's why we have a whole generation of people who are walking away from church because all they see is hypocrisy. 
We're preaching something that we have no power to live. We're actually talking about life transformation, but we're not leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit to actually lead us in that transformation and guide our lives and our process of change and what God is doing in our lives. And so we get stuck in this place where there is a discrepancy between the life abundant, the life to the fullest that Christ has called us to, and the reality of the life that we're actually living right now that doesn't measure up to that. And we're stuck in this in-between place. And a lot of times what we do is we just try to solve this problem ourselves, right? We know the scripture. We know that we're supposed to be conformed to the character of Christ. So what do we do? We look at the character attributes or the nature attributes of God. We look at something like the list of the fruit of the spirit and we think, okay, I'm just going to try to do that. I'm going to try to be more loving. I'm going to try to be kind. I'm going to try to be more gentle in the way I respond to people. But really, that's just our own self-effort. We're just trying harder to be something that we're not. But God actually has a process of changing us from the inside out. I feel like sometimes we get stuck and overwhelmed in that process when we're just trying to do it on our own. When we're just trying to modify our behavior and fit in in church and we put a smile on our face and we come in and we sit next to other people and we can talk the talk and quote all the scriptures, but we're not actually living it out in our lives with the power of the Holy Spirit actively at work in our inner man. We're not actually living it out. And that's where, you know, our, our children and a generation of people even my age have walked away from church because of the hypocrisy that they see. And that's really, really sad to me. But we come to this place where we get stuck and tired and frustrated and disappointed because we've been doing it and approaching transformation the wrong way. We've been approaching it in a sense of, I'm going to change things. I'm going to work harder on this instead of allowing the spirit to lead the process of transformation. And so we're stuck and frustrated. And I was in this place about six years ago. I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in church. I went to Bible school, you know, married a great guy I met when I was at Bible school and uh, had kids and eventually started working in church and became a pastor. And here I was in my 40s in a pastoral role and people were coming to me for advice and for help. And I literally felt like an imposter. I felt like I was trying to live a life that I had no power to live and I was exhausted and tired and I felt inadequate and I had nothing to give anybody because I had not dealt with the inner man and some of the deep inner issues of my heart. I had done some of the work that I could kind of, you know, do as I was going, but God wanted to do a deeper work in my life that I had not yet surrendered to and allowed him to do in my life. And so here I was kind of stuck in this place where I'm going, God, you have promised me this life of peace and joy, and I'm not experiencing that at all. In fact, far from it. You have promised me a life that is full and abundant, and I'm not experiencing it. I'm far from that place. Yet here I am trying to help other people learn how to live it. And this is the biggest mistake, and I feel like the biggest failure of the church at large over the last many years has been our ability to proclaim a gospel that we're not actually having the power alive in us to live. 
and to live it every day in our daily lives and allow it to permeate our lives and our families and our homes and our marriages. And so we've been really good at at telling people they can be free, but really bad at actually taking them by the hand and leading them through practical biblical steps to freedom. And that's what I actually am really passionate about doing. I am so thankful to God that someone stepped into my life and showed me a pathway, a clear, practical, biblical pathway that could transform my life. I'm so incredibly grateful that 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 happened and it birthed within me the passion to wanna do that for others. And there is no greater joy in my life as a pastor than to take someone else by the hand and show them this journey, this pathway to transformation that I have found that actually works, that actually helps us to apply the principles and the teaching of Jesus to our life, to experience them on a deep, deep, deep level, and to see all of the places of our heart, our emotional life, our thought life, all of the things that are buried deep, the things from my past that we, I, I hadn't dealt with. Maybe you've got things too that you haven't dealt with that you're carrying around from your past. We tend to like hide them and bury them instead of actually bringing them out into the light of Christ so that they can be healed and we can walk in victory over them. So I'm pretty passionate about this pathway and I'm passionate about leading you guys on this pathway as well. Um, Yeah, sorry, I gotta catch up in my notes here. (laughs) I was doing a lot of teaching there and not looking down. I do feel like this is sort of a key moment in the history of the church and in our lives, in our generation, in the history of the church. COVID is going to, I believe, mark the church and there is going to be a significant change in how we do church moving forward. And here's what I'm most concerned about. I'm most concerned about the people who are saying, you know, I just wish we could get back to normal. I just wish things were the way they used to be. And I can't wait until we just reopen and things are back to normal because I feel like we're in this period of time, this beautiful opportunity for God to do a deep work in our lives because COVID, excuse me, has shaken and stirred up a lot of things as Pastor Andrew was talking about in the last couple of weeks. And I feel like all of that stuff that we haven't dealt with, all of that junk and sin and, and you know, poor thought patterns and all, all of the stuff that's been sort of down there buried in our life has, has kind of come to the surface. We've seen it for what it is during COVID, the, the kind of ugliness of some of the stuff that we're carrying. And we have this opportunity to bring it out into the light, expose it to the light of Christ and see it healed and restored so that we can walk out of this season stronger and more empowered and equipped to be the church. I feel like this is a moment of rejuvenation for the church. I think it's a moment when the spirit of God wants to come in and breathe fresh life on us. But here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that we're gonna get back to normal and we're gonna just tuck those things back away and not deal with them and try to go on with our lives again in just behavior modification and working at it on my own and my own self-effort instead of really allowing God to get to the deep places of our heart and actually begin to transform our lives. That's what I'm afraid of. This 
is an opportunity. What everyone else sees as just a disaster in a moment where it feels like our lives are on pause, this is an opportunity for God. Nothing is ever wasted in the kingdom of God. And as stuff is coming up in your life in these days, this is a prime opportunity for you to deal with it and actually move forward and learn how to live free from those things that keep popping up in your life. This has been an opportunity for God to reveal things deep in our hearts, bring them up and out so we can actually look at them and go, wow, I've been carrying this for a really long time and I need a change. So what if now, what if right now is the perfect time for God to move in your life? Not later, not when things are more normal, not when it's easier, but right now. As you're face to face with this thing, maybe, just maybe, it's an opportunity to deal with it. I want to read a scripture to you from Ephesians 5. And, you know, as I kind of do this little mini series after Easter, I'm going to jump around between about Ephesians 4.17 and Ephesians 5.20, kind of in that range. We're going to be in that for a little bit. But I'm going to read from Ephesians 5. Verse, starting in um, verse 8, let's just read a chunk of scripture here together. It says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. What is Paul saying here? He's saying there is an opportunity today. No matter what you're going through, no matter how evil the world is around you, no matter what you see, there is an opportunity for God to shine his light into those places of your heart that need redemption and healing and freedom. This is an opportunity for the light of Christ. And I don't want us to just pass by this moment and not allow it to really penetrate. It's his kindness and his unfailing love for us that, that wants to go to those places. And we're afraid, right? Because we're just, we're ashamed. We're full of shame. And we're going to get to that in a moment. That's the biggest barrier to even starting on this process of transformation is shame. We don't want to let God in. We don't want to let anyone else in. We think that our lives are a mess like no one else has ever seen. And we don't want to let people into that. We don't want to be vulnerable. Maybe because we've been hurt before. Maybe you have a really valid reason not to be vulnerable. Maybe you opened up once to somebody and they really hurt you. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry that that happened. But you need to be able to find a safe place and some safe people where you can unpack this stuff and actually get it out of your life. It's in his kindness and unfailing love that God leads us into transformation. 
Our lives were formed in this world. They were formed by things that were not of God. And when we become Christians, it is our great opportunity to have our lives reformed by the kingdom of God, by the teachings of Jesus, by the model and the, the stature and the measure of the life of Jesus. And it is the spirit of God that does this work in us. He partners together with us to do this work. Here's another place where we just sort of get stuck is when we fail to realize the partnership that we have with the Holy Spirit. This is a walk, a pathway of transformation that is spirit initiated, but we have to actually surrender ourselves to it and walk along in the practical biblical pathway. We have to do some of that work too. So here's where we get stuck, the two sides we sort of get stuck on. The first is when we just try to pray all our circumstances and suffering and heartache away, we just try to bury it under prayer and say like, God, just remove this from my life. Just take it away. We want God to do the miracle because we don't want to do the work. But so often he's saying, I'm not concerned about your comfort. I'm concerned about your character. So I need you to partner with me and do the work to actually get this thing out of your life so you know how to teach other people to do it. If he just removed everything out of our path, what would it teach us? What would we walk away from that with, right? It's like when parents do their kids' homework. What's the kid gonna learn if you're doing the homework for them, right? You can give them some guidance and some leadership, but they actually have to do the work themselves. They have to figure it out. And so, you know, the process of, of being transformed by the Spirit of God is that that process is initiated by the Spirit. The Spirit brings conviction into our lives. It leads us to repentance. He reminds us of the truth. He reminds us of Jesus' words and teaching. And he empowers us to live the life that God has called us to. So the Spirit does all of this work. But we have to have hearts that are open and soft and surrendered to his promptings, surrendered to the times when he convicts us of something that's in our life that needs to come up and out. We need to be willing to bring those things to the light when the Holy Spirit is kind of putting his finger on them and saying, look, this anger problem that you have, that's not good in your life anymore. That thing from your past you haven't dealt with, that's not good. You can't carry that forever. You've got to learn how to process through this stuff. So the Spirit of God is the one who both initiates and walks us through the process, but we're the ones who have to surrender and actually do the work of walking through this process with him. And so we get stuck when we think that it's all about him, that he'll just remove the situation for us, or when we think it's all about us and we just have to be better, do better, you know, pull up our pants and be a big kid and get to work and get this done in our lives. Because both of those pathways lead to shame. If we think that God is going to remove this thing from our life and change our circumstances and miraculously move that and do that, and he doesn't do it, it's going to lead to shame because the only answer to that is that I didn't do enough. Well, that's not biblical. We don't do anything. We don't do anything to earn God's love and his grace. He freely gives that to us long before we ever could do anything to earn it or deserve it. 
While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He stepped into our mess. That's the power of the gospel story. We need the Spirit of God at work. And we need to do the work to come under his hand of guidance. This is, you know, as we head into Easter, this is what the gospel message is all about. Jesus didn't just die just to get us into heaven. He died to reform all of those things in our lives so that we could live here and now, free from sin and its effects in our life and actually be able to live the life he called us to. What a shame when we don't live out the freedom and victory that Christ provided for us through the power of the Spirit who he sent to us. What a shame that we don't actually walk in the journey and the process. This story starts with us on our knees in repentance and conviction. But that's not the only time that we repent. Repentance and conviction is an ongoing process of initiating change in our life. And if we're not willing to allow the Holy Spirit to bring that conviction into our lives, if we're not willing to have a soft heart that is repentant, and the Bible uses the word contrite before the Lord, that we're allowing him to speak to us and reveal those things. That's our job, to have a soft heart, to be willing to go through the process of repentance, to allow conviction to rise up because the conviction of God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit always leads to redemption, always. There's always something great on the other side of it. We actually have to learn the difference between conviction and condemnation. That's a key thing as well. We need to get into this a little bit. So shame, I was, I was saying earlier that both, you know, trying to just allow God to change everything and praying he would change everything and taking matters into our own hands and trying to change things ourselves, both of those will lead to shame. It's a partnership between the two, okay? But if we get stuck on either side of it, it's going to lead us into shame. And so I want to talk a little bit here in this message, this, this last part of the message, I want to talk specifically about shame. And I want to talk about what shame sounds like and how you can recognize it in your life. Because I talk to people all of the time who don't recognize that they're under a weight and a blanket of shame in their lives, that they're carrying shame for things that they have done or things that have been done to them, to us. You know, if other people do things to us and we've been a victim of circumstance, a victim of someone else's sin, but they're not taking responsibility, often we pick up the shame. We pick up the, re the responsibility, really, for what's happened. And we carry that shame in our own lives. The enemy is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care what you've done or what you have done. He is constantly throwing shame at us. And we willingly pick it up and carry it. So shame is one of the greatest barriers to even starting the process of spiritual formation. And shame tells us that we are defective. And I want to talk about this just for a second because you are not defective. You are not. When something is defective, it means that it cannot be used for its intended original purpose because it is defective. It goes back to the manufacturer. It probably gets 
crumpled up, thrown back into the machine and start all over again because it was defective. You are not defective. You are broken. And so am I. We are broken, but we serve a God who loves to take broken things and put them back together and mend them so that they can be used for his glory. But the enemy is constantly telling us we're defective, that we're not enough, that we never will be enough. His voice is that voice that keeps you in hiding, that keeps you keeping all of your stuff hidden because no one will understand what you've been through. No one wants to see that or hear that. That is shame. And so many of us are stuck in shame that we can't even get out of where we're, we are. We're stuck in it. And we need to recognize shame for what it is, the voice of the enemy in our lives. And actually dig past the shame and allow the love of God to penetrate those places, the grace of God to penetrate those places that pull us near. Shame makes us hide. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, as soon as they sinned, the Bible says immediately their eyes were open and they saw that they were naked and they were ashamed and they hid. Because of shame, shame makes us hide. But what did God do? He stepped in and he covered them. And that was a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do on the cross when he shed his blood to cover all of our sins. And we can stand now under his shed blood. When the enemy reminds you of your past, you need to remind him of Jesus' blood. You need to remind him of what God has done for you. That is the gospel story. That, that God saw what sin was doing to our lives and it broke his heart. You can read that in the story of Noah early in the book of Genesis. It says he saw what was going on in the heart of man, what sin had done to the heart of man, and he was heartbroken by it. But he sent Jesus. He decided to step into our mess. And today, he still wants to step into your mess. Whatever is going on in your life, it doesn't scare God and it doesn't surprise him. He already knows. You need to bring it out and begin talking to him about it and release it in the presence of someone that you trust because you can't carry it inside of yourself. You weren't intended to. You've got to throw these things off. You've got to release them so that you can receive and put on everything that Christ has for you. The voice of shame will tell us that we are not enough and we never will be. Shame will tell you you are defective and you will never be restored. That's a lie. And shame makes us build walls because we don't want to let people in. We don't want them to see our mess. The power of God can break through those walls. I've seen it happen and it can happen for you too. Shame wants to keep us in the darkness, in hiding. It wants to, it doesn't want us to bring things out into the light where Christ can actually heal, heal them. I want to read another scripture for you. This one's from 1 John chapter 1, if you want to turn there really quickly. This is another portion of scripture similar to the one we read in Ephesians. But this is John's sort of take on what it means to allow the light of Christ into our life. It says this, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in the darkness, 
We lie and do not live out of the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, if we talk about them, if we bring them out into the light before God and safe people, he is faithful and just and will forgive us for our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So it isn't just forgiving the sin. It's getting to the root of it and actually getting that unrighteous stuff out of our life, whether it's a negative thought pattern, a, an emotion that keeps pushing us off the rails, a lie we believe about ourselves, a wound from our past, whatever it is, we need to get in there and get to the root of it so that we can live in righteousness. It goes on to say, if we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So this is just talking about that ongoing process of sanctification and purification in us where God brings his light into our life. The Holy Spirit illuminates something that needs change and he invites us on the journey to actually see it transformed by the power of his spirit and by us walking out just the self-discipline empowered by the Spirit to actually apply it to our daily lives. And again, I want to teach you more about what that means really practically, and we'll jump into that after Easter. I want to remind you there is a difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation is the voice of shame and guilt. Condemnation says that you are defective, you are guilty, and there is no redemption. Conviction always leads to redempt the redemptive nature of God. Conviction always leads to freedom. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's hard when God shines his light in there and we see the ugliness of our sin and how it hurts us and hurts God and hurts other people. Yeah, that's hard. I get that. And I see it all the time. But it always leads to freedom and victory when we bring it out and surrender it to Christ. Romans 8.1 says, Now, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Jesus sets us free. The gospel message is this, that the sin that is breaking you breaks the heart of God. And he stepped into our mess and sent his son to redeem every broken piece of our lives, to put us back together and to use us to do so with other people. And that's why it's so important that we work this out in the context of community, because your story and your life and the way God has fixed things and worked on things and done things in your life is going to be encouraging and bring joy and peace and freedom to somebody else. That's why I'm here. That's why I do what I do, because I'm so passionate to see people know God the way I know him, experience his freedom the way that I have experienced his freedom, and actually be able to live in that place where they feel like their life is abundant and full, where they have joy and peace. Do you know how many people I talk to? Christian people who come to church every week, 
who would say, I do not know what joy is. I don't experience it. And I never have peace. Those are things that Jesus promised us. But we have to learn to walk the pathway to get there. And conviction and repentance in the light of Christ is the gateway to spirit transformation. There is no entrance into the kingdom of God without repentance. But there is also no way to advance in the kingdom of God and to grow spiritually if we don't have repentant, soft, and contrite hearts that can receive from the word of God, receive the truth, and allow the spirit to work in us. I want to talk at the end here really practically I want to give you five ways that you can identify shame in your life. Because you, you may not know exactly what I'm talking about here. You may go, well, you know, I have felt like I'm not enough. That's, that's one way. But I'm going to give you five really practical things that you can look for in your own life where you will recognize that you're walking in shame. The first one is that you want to hide. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, if you have something that you are hiding, if you have unrepentant sin, if you have hurts or wounds from your past, if you have thought patterns that you're like, I'm never telling anybody about that, something in your heart that you're hiding, it's because of shame. Shame always wants to make us hide. It is the grace and the love of God that beckons us to come close. It was his grace that stepped into our mess. It was his love that said, come close to me. I've got you. I'll cover you. It's okay. And we can still do that today. But it's shame that makes us want to hide things. If you have a sense that you are defective, as I talked about earlier, um, sometimes I talk to women and, and, and they just say, you know what, I just think that no one else is like me. I'm broken, they say, but what they really mean is I'm defective. I'm never going to be useful in the kingdom of God. God could never use someone like me. Those are words of shame. As I said before, you are not defective. You are broken, as we all are, but God loves to fix broken things. Um, a fear of rejection. This is number three. Th the third way that you may know that you are wrestling with shame is the fear of rejection. If people knew who I actually was, they would not accept me. They would reject me. That's shame. Shame, again, that's just keeping things in hiding. I'm going to pretend to be the good church girl, right? I'm going to show up at group with my smile on and, you know, I can quote the scripture and all of it. But you haven't allowed the Spirit of God to penetrate those deep places of your heart. So you're hiding things and you're afraid that people will reject you if they knew what was really going on inside of your heart and mind. That's shame. Those things need to come out and be exposed to the light of Christ. Number four, the thought that you are not enough. If you have this pervasive thought in your life on a constant basis that you are not enough and you will never be enough, that is the voice of shame. God says, you don't need to be enough because I am enough. And I cover you and I empower you and I've got you so you can rest in him. That is just a, a twist. It's one of the ways that the enemy takes a truth and twists it to his benefit and his privilege. The truth is we're not enough on our own, but in Christ, 
we can stand up and say, I am enough because Christ says so. Not because of what, I, what I've done or what I could ever do, but because his power lives and rests in me, I can now do everything he calls me to do and live the life he has called me to live. And number five, this is one of the key ways that you can know that you are wrestling with shame is to read the story of the prodigal son. I wish I could do that for you right here, right now. I, I don't have time. But after the message is over, maybe together as a family or wherever you are right now, you could just open up your Bible and read the story of the prodigal son. If you've been in church for any time at all, you probably know this story inside and out. And I want you to think for a moment, where do you place yourself in the story? Time and time again, I ask, I ask women mostly, I would ask anybody this question, where do you place yourself in this story? There's a small percentage of people, maybe 10 to 15% of people that would say, well, I feel like I'm the older brother. I'm, I'm the brat brother who, who feels like, you know, I'm owed something that I'm not. That's shame. The rest of the people, the other 85 to 90% of people would say they see themselves as the prodigal son, dirty, covered in pig muck, walking down the road towards the father. And they feel that embrace of love of the father, but for their entire lives, they constantly see themselves walking back down that road to the embrace of the father. That is not where you were meant to be in that story. And that is shame that keeps us on that road, repenting for the same sins over and over and over again. You know, when I talk to people, I hear them say, man, you know, I repent almost every day for the sin that I did 20 years ago. That's not walking in the grace of God. That's walking under a blanket of shame. That's not where you belong in the story. Shame actually is stealing your rightful inheritance from you. Because the story goes on to say that that son was received back into the father's home, that he put a ring on his finger, that he put clothes and shoes on him, and he seated him at his table with an abundant banquet in front of him. That is where you are in the story. You are the son who has been redeemed. Walking down that road to the father was when you came to Christ. Now you are seated at the table. And even though, you know, there's going to be sin in our lives, there's going to be stuff that we have to work out in this process of purification and sanctification, you are not back on the road walking home to the father every single day. You are seated in a place of inheritance. You are a child of the king. You sit at the table with God the father and receive everything that he has for you. That's your place. And it breaks my heart that we don't see that clearly. It breaks my heart that we can't see ourselves seated at the table, receiving the abundant promises and the abundant life that Jesus went to the cross to provide for us. If that's you today, if you resonated with any of those five things and you would say, yeah, that's me. I've been wrestling with shame. I just wanna pray for you right now. And as I pray, I want you to actively pray too. I want you to release that shame to God. And the only way that you're going to be able to completely lay it down 
and walk away is to have a revelation of his love. Not just the words from the Bible, but ask him, what does your love mean to me? Show me a picture of it. Show me what it means in my mind. Speak truth to me so that I can live out of the experience of knowing that you love me. Let me pray for you. Father God, I'm just so thankful for what you do, for who you are and what you have done in our lives. I'm thankful and grateful, Father, that you, that you sent your son and you stepped into our mess and that your heart was broken for our sin and so you came to redeem us in every way and every sense of the word. Father, I thank you that we can bring everything that's in our hearts, every ugly, broken thing out into the light to see it healed and redeemed by you. Father, I'm so thankful and grateful for your grace and your love. I pray that for every person under the sound of my voice that has wrestled with shame, that you would right now reveal your love, that you would right now reveal a picture of your love and your grace for them. Father, I thank you that you continue to walk with us in this process. You never leave us on our, our own. You never leave us struggling. You're always there, always attentive, always know what's going on in our lives. Who am I that you are mindful of me, that your thoughts are turned towards me? God, would you help us to understand how you see us and help us to live and walk in the light and the love of Christ, so that we can reflect his love to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.